Petersfield's Shine Radio. Well, hello and welcome to Dogs With Jobs. It's great to have you with me. I'm Kate Fairweather and I have a major treat for you today. I've been really excited about this one. We're meeting a very specialised police dog called Jax. He is a gorgeous red Labrador from Gundog Stock and he works as a victim recovery dog, which is a very, very specialised element in the police service. There are only about 38 of them in the country, so it's quite a coup to have him on the show and it's quite a coup to have such a wonderfully articulate and interesting interview from police constable PC Felicity Thomas um, also known as Flick which I also loved as well because of course Flick is the French slang for cop which just gave me a smile because I love a pun. (laughs) Flick is super enthusiastic she talks us right through the training the rewarding the thrill of the search um, and also the context because when you have a missing person presumed dead search there are a lot of moving parts there are search managers there are all sorts of people involved and so on one level they're operating as a kind of tool in the box and on the other you've got a person who absolutely loves her very talented dog I think the other thing I enjoyed about talking to Flick was that um, she's aware and she talks about this that the stakes are quite high in this work because of course The evidence that Jax finds can put someone away for a violent crime. Things like, you know, murder weapons, uh, blood spattered clothes, those kind of things are part of the things that he's trained to look for. And of course, in the case of a missing person presumed dead, finding a body represents closure for families and loved ones and and that that whole element of it is something that she's very aware of and and I found that compassion rather lovely. So terrific interview from a fantastic very interesting police constable Um, and she also actually did a demo. So you've got a little thing of blood. So there's a little spot going on the gravel. Um, so that's to do with uh, if we were doing a focused search so if we're just looking for blood spots so that's much more intensive for the dog and that would do on lead so we can control them as opposed to this will be an open search that I can just let him free reign okay. and what have you got there? So that's the, it's a wrench with some blood on so that would imitate um, a weapon that might have been used and has been discarded okay, so, so there's nothing here. visible so the harness is going on. Does that mean he's at work? So he only ever wears this when he's working. Okay. So it can be little indicators like that um, that help. We're going to start barking out. Oh, he's looking very fit. <laughs> Beautiful. I love fox red. Yes. Labrador. Hello, you. Can I say hello? Immediately you love sniffing. A bit of attention, don't you? <laughs> right, you. So he's on a long lead, and we're actually in a garden, but it's got a nice bit of space about his toys it has to be his toy so the toy is a reward so he knows you've got the toy in your pocket so look look at his command so flick you you cast out with your hand in a similar way to a gun dog yep so we can use the same and he's going straight around the perimeter you see him nose down yes good boy wow that was such a clear indication, a lovely little freeze. Well done. 
<laughs> so yeah, so that's what he does. And like I say, it's that nice, clear bam. So I'm with PC, Police Constable Felicity Thomas, and I've just met Jax. Your dog. Yeah. Tell us about him. I was expecting him to be a German Shepherd or a Spaniel. Uh, nope. So we, he's a Fox Red Labrador. Um, he comes from the High Clear Estate, up by Basingstoke, actually. Oh, wow. So yeah. relatively local to Petersville. Yes. Uh, and a gun dog breeder, as that's what they actually do. Um, but yeah, so we got him. We've got two of his litter mates as well, three brothers. Um, two of them are victim recovery dogs. One's a drugs dog. Um, but yeah, you've just met him. He's just turned two. Uh, he's a very clever little lad, <laughs> if somewhat naughty sometimes. <laughs> so tell too. me how you got together. Do you get matched? How does that side of it work? <laughs> when were you put together with Jax? Um, so yeah, I got him in July, let me try and work this out, what would it be, 2022? Okay. Yeah, he was six months old. I knew I was going on a course and he was going to be one of the dogs, um, but this is where the irony is. We got asked, do you have any preference, male, female, Labrador, Spaniel? And I said, I don't mind about the gender, um, but I'd really like a spaniel. <laughs> so they said, here's a Labrador. <laughs> um, that's just sometimes how it goes. There are only Labradors on the course. Um, so yeah, you get put together. Um, I got him quite early just because I was in a position to be able to take him on early. Sometimes you might not meet your dog till the first day of the course. Okay. And then you get put together. Um, sometimes they do try and match you because there will be dogs that are um, really strong and maybe need a more experienced handler. There might be a dog that is really biddable and just does everything sometimes they're matched between if people want their search dogs to get on with their big dogs okay. um, so that's where they might try and match them with gender so typically you'd have a couple of dogs and indeed you do because i've just met nico yep. you have, yes. um, who's a general purpose german he shepherd i'm guessing uh he's a belgian malinois okay yes okay a little pocket rocket so yeah so he's just a trainee police dog as it is at the moment okay and so tell me how long have you been a dog handler and so i joined the department in 2020 okay so just over four years now um but i've only been a victim recovery handler for just over a year because okay. you tend to sort of bed your skills in with your general purpose dog handling for a few years before you take on sort of the extra commitment in the second dog. okay so tell me about the whole victim recovery world within yep. the police um, you're not just based locally, obviously, are you? No. How does it work? So obviously, yeah, I work for Hampshire and Isle of Wight Constabulary. We have a sort of collaboration with Thames Valley Police Dog Section. Um, so our normal working area can be anywhere from the Isle of Wight to Milton Keynes. Um, but then there's only roughly 38 victim recovery dogs in the whole of the country. So we do mutual aid, whereas we, we have victim recovery dogs in our force. But for instance, Dorset next door don't. So if they had a job requiring them, they ask us to come over. Um, okay. Or some of my colleagues have gone out to the Channel Islands. People have, you know. Well, I guess no that's good, isn't it? it? Yes. It'll be a bit worrying if there were hundreds and hundreds of victim recovery dogs. <laughs> yes. We don't want that much work, do we? That no. doesn't say good things. When you've got a victim recovery dog, yeah. what sort of work and what sort of jobs? are you sending him out on and working with him for? So victim right. recovery dogs have many names. You hear blood dog, you hear cadaver dog, you hear victim recovery dog. For the first time the other day, I heard forensic investigation dog. Nice. Um, and actually, it's all the little subsections that in Hampshire we cover all of. So he's trained to find anything from an entire deceased body down to either just teeth, bone or blood and any wow. of the elements sort of in between in various stages of decomposition as well. Yeah, so human tissue from newly deceased 
right through to down to completely skeletal right just bones left yeah they'll find any of that so where do you start with the whole thing exactly yeah. <laughs> um so initially their blood is the main thing that they um get trained on so you do a six to eight week initial course with them um and our lead instructor for victim recovery dogs likes to instantly train them on blood um, so sometimes you have other generalization of indication work with scent um, where they might use like a Kong or something like that, mm. that they're trained on the search and the indication on Kong. Yeah. And then you swap that out for the substance. Uh, we don't do that with victim coverage, straight to blood. Why? Why is that? Um, I don't know if it's because the range of things that we're needing them to find varies so much. So let's just not confuse the matter. Let's Because you're putting Kong in, which means you need to take Kong out. Let's yeah. just go straight to blood and then we can yeah. teach you fresh blood or blood fresh meat oh meat like so many different different yeah. things and they're trained on have you ever seen um like little tins they look like big salt and pepper shakers right um and we have a special little almost like a plank of wood with holes drilled in it that they sit in and we'll have five of these tins one of them will have blood on and the initial stages of teaching it are we task them so look look is our command and we'll tap on each of the tins to get them to put their nose to it and when they put the tin on the blood click reward Okay. So they start to understand when I smell that scent, my reward comes until they start to understand it themselves and they will physically start to... And, and how old was Jax when you started that bit with him? So he was a bit of a baby. He was just over 10 months, okay. which isn't the norm. It's just how, how, it, it, how it went that they chose those dogs because they thought, actually, their noses are fantastic. We want to have them on victim recovery. Dogs tend to be between 12 to 18 months when they okay. do a course just to allow them to mature yeah. a little bit but yeah he was a, he was a baby <laughs> okay so where did you start with him then you started on blood on cans blood yep so okay. blood blood in the tins and then you can build up the indication from that um just to get them to recognize it so like i say initially it's just as soon as they put their nose on we'll click and reward to get them to understand that's what you're looking for okay and it's amazing how quickly they'll then understand sniff 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 all oh, this is and you start to get that little bit of intensity from them of I know my ball is coming and then you can take that tin and then you could put it out in a courtyard yeah. and ask them to look for it and then they'll find the tin and the same click ball so you can move the tin around and then you can remove the tin and just have the blood and that's sort of how we build that up. And how long would that process take? Like when you say it's very quick that they catch on yeah. with the tins, how quick is very quick? Oh, within a couple of days you're moving the tins wow. around and within a week or two you've got rid of the tins. Okay. And they're just looking for the blood. And naturally, when you move on to uh, meat, flesh, whatever you, whatever word you want to call, yeah. um, dogs naturally, most dogs, if you put some sort of chunk of pig out somewhere, most dogs will naturally be drawn to it, so that's yes. a bit easier. So you're working on quite a natural impulse as well. For, for that, it's yes. more, for us especially, <laughs> the fact that we've chosen to go with Labradors, is making sure there's no interference. Yes. We don't want them to lick the blood. We don't want them to pick the meat up. We don't yes. want them to dig at it. Yes. So making sure they just understand, I find it and I freeze. Yeah. And um, that's sometimes more the barrier. <laughs> if you're on a search mm -hmm. in a field, if there's a dead sheep or a newly, you know, a fox has killed something or that kind of thing, there will be blood around. Do you work on helping them distinguish between human blood and other blood? So this is really interesting. This is a whole topic that's being opened up at the moment um, <clears throat> because no one, even scientists, um, I've just come back from a seminar of lots of scientists that um, look at um, odours around body and right. no one can tell us 
what it is that the dogs are actually indicating on, what smell it is within that blood. They can't, because it gives off obviously lots of different chemicals, but no yeah. one can say what it is. So yes. they're trying to work out, and now it's coming in, that they're saying, can we see the difference between animal blood, human blood? Because you'll find, I've done a search when we've encountered dead animals, Jax doesn't care about them, he moves on. Some dogs might have a little sniff. No, that's not what I'm looking for. So it might just be that we've tuned them into it. But we, at the moment... So they can tell, but science can't identify what it is it. about the smell that they're no. thinking about. So it was really interesting, the, um, the seminar we had, even looking at blood from five different people. Yeah. And you look at the chem- all the chemicals coming off of it are in different setups, different amounts at different times. So they can't even generalise to say oh, it's probably these two chemicals because yeah. across the board they're coming off. So it's a really interesting world and there's lots of research going on around it. And actually, at the, I think it's October this year, um, we work with DSTL. So they mostly work alongside the military, developing okay. lots of bits and pieces. Yeah. And they've got various sites. Um, but they also obviously work with working dogs and detection dogs. Um, normally are explosive detection dogs, but they're sort of getting into victim recovery as well. And what they want to do later this year is exactly that. Let's try and find out what is the accuracy of dogs. So we're going to go down, we're going to have our tins, and there's going to be deer blood in this one, a couple of empty ones, human blood in that one. Will they go to the human blood? Because we can't 100% say, oh, they'll completely ignore everything else. But I'm guessing that on the other hand, even if there was an occasional one in five confusion... It wouldn't matter as long as you're finding the victim. Exactly, as long as they're what not you're working. As long with. as they're not missing what we're yes. looking for, should it matter? And in, like I say, in my experience and the people I've worked alongside and our team, no one has had. Considering I'm quite often working out in woodland and like I say, yeah. could be. You've not had pulse, false positives. We've never had. Yeah, we've never had them indicate on anything that we know to be animal, or any like interest even in in dead animals that we that we've come across so our experience is they know what they're looking for yeah but i couldn't put my hand up in court and say nope he definitely won't um indicate on anything else but we only train with human blood they're not trained on pig's blood or anything like that a victim recovery dog like jack's is going to be a victim recovery dog his whole career yeah yes You're, there's never good i know i know that sometimes you can change. switch disciplines but yeah. they sometimes do it if some dogs um, aren't enjoying it or they've got different traits um, so like victim recovery dogs we work in a team so they've got to be okay around other dogs we've got to be able to move them around and recall them yeah. in those areas search and open areas if you have you couldn't really have a victim recovery dog that was really prey orientated and if a pheasant pops up out of the woodland that's it you've, you've lost your dog forever yeah. um, so sometimes if a dog started showing one trait and you thought oh actually if he was just popped in a car or a house looking for drugs would negate that mm. issue so occasionally they're moved around but it's normally but it's wherever rare. they're trained on that's their whole career through so tell me about the jobs then because i've already seen you in a training <laughs> simulation yes. in the garden um so within your training simulations you're placing a little bit of yep. tissue or blood or whatever might you go on a job just you and jacks or is it always part of a bigger team um so it's normally dictated by what it is we're looking for mm. and how large the area is. Um, so if it's a relatively, say, through CCTV inquiries, they've narrowed down, it's a small car- courtyard, we think something might have been concealed in there. Mm. You might potentially just say one dog will be able to be able to box that off if you're talking So about that it. might be something like a concealed weapon that yeah. might have blood or tissue on yeah, it. Yeah, or we think someone's been seen to enter, um, like, go off camera, 
wearing a blue jacket, he mm. crosses through this courtyard and where we pick him up again, now There's they don't no... have the blue jacket on. Go so ahead. it might be in there. So yeah, we can look for... So they would find blood-spattered items, for example. Yeah, that's probably the majority of what we get used for, I'd say, or in my experience. Yeah. Um, it's weapons or clothing mm. that's been discarded that we think's got blood on. Or so blood that's trail. more to do with forensic value and... Evidence, yeah, yeah. linking. Or we're asked to find blood trails. Yeah. So something has happened, we've seen them go this way, they've gone off camera. Can you maybe give us an indication as to where they've got to? Yeah. Um, so that's so I mean that kind of example though if, if there's CCTV I'm guessing you're talking about an urban environment where there's lots of activity loads of smells yeah probably loads of blood one way and another you know so it's bloody noses outside nightclubs all sorts of yeah, things so tripped over and yeah the hand um but it's amazing what they can do not that I'm trying to sing my own dog's praises but <laughs> no that's what we're here for you absolutely <laughs> uh, sing Jax's praises big Jax up, just to show what they can do when yeah. you think you're faced with if everything been... being against you. Um, so December or January last year, he'd sort of just sort of finished his course. He was about a month out. It was his first operational job. So uh, still less than a year at this point, or just over a year? Ju yeah, just turned one, so okay. maybe one, wow. 13 months. Um, so still really young dog, fresh out of his course. Um, and I got called up. I was working obviously down in the east of Hampshire, there was a job in Milton Keynes, but they said we need it searched today because there's a marathon on tomorrow and they have <gasps> half of the big okay. park in the centre of Milton Keynes closed, so it really needs to get out there and be done today. Um, and it had been quite a serious assault that had happened, um, the victim had been located and um, the scenes of crime guys had been up there and gone to a certain stage but then they'd gone, oh as it gets to the park, we don't know anymore, we don't know where they've gone, you can... So they called us in, um, I got up with Jacks, so I spent an hour and a half on blue lights to get up to Milton Keynes, which is tiring <laughs> in itself. Um, get up there, and then it turns out that the scene had actually been open for, I think, over 24 hours, so people walking through it, they'd only put a really small scene on of where it was, um, so they had to extend that out. When you say put on a scene, does that mean when it's there's tape, tape around the outside? And, yeah. Um, so in this instance, the area that they were now asking me to search hadn't been taped off. So all throughout the previous night and during that day, it's big. It's like Southampton Common or yeah. Southsea Common. So there's people, dog walkers, everything through it. Um, so in terms of contamination or Huge. people taking evidence away, you know, you might tread in blood and it's gone. Um, they asked me to go up and search. Um, and then me, me and Jax were the only people available as well. So really that should be a two dog job juicy you're looking for um blood spots which is the most difficult yeah. to find um and he then located 48 spots of blood from where scenes of crime had stopped and then it led all the way up to actually where the offense had happened that they didn't previously know in a bush where there was lots of blood and obviously the attack had taken place um so it was Jax's work that led to the pinpointing of the place of the attack. Yep, so he Through the blood-spattered trail. And he traced it along a tarmac path across gravel. There's literally like pinpricks on the side of gravel. We've got photos of it. Yeah. Um, across grass on dried leaves. And then he went up and stuck his head in a bush. We were a bit like, what's that about? We looked in and it was all sort of pulled on the leaves inside. And then you could actually see it was all as though someone had fallen into it, all sort of pushed yeah. back. And they went, oh this is where it's happened because we then carried on our search and found nothing beyond that so that can then assist with further that's CCTV. incredibly valuable though isn't mm. it 
because yeah. that's like a kind of evidence gives you a route where it's happened that can then open up further cctv inquiries if you know where it's happened um or if you're getting eyewitnesses have you seen someone running away from this that particular mm. location um it then meant that they could change the scene completely and obviously reopen the park because we now know exactly where we're looking at um but that's what the dogs can do and they were all little just specks of blood on different surfaces in a scene that had been open for 24 hours so even when you think everything's against us it's amazing now that must have been quite a boost for you having your one-year-old dog performing like that oh and just it's always nervous when you can come off of a training course but a training environment is obviously sterile it's set up in the dog's favor to go out into the big wide world in any discipline some dogs can get a bit overwhelmed um and he did initially when I sort of turned up obviously and he's a bit like oh god what's going on there's people around me um we might be in a forensic suit that might have been like mum is that you behind me <laughs> suits and masks um but it's amazing once they get that first hit and they just probably because they feed off us a little bit that we're like yes there's something here and then yeah he worked fantastically for a, a good while but. so in that case I've got several questions <laughs> I want to ask about but um one of them is about reward when you're on a live I mean I've just seen you with your demo yeah um, and I've seen how keen he is on his particular ball <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do you deal with rewards say on that case you've got a very young dog only yeah. a year you presumably weren't quite sure how he would perform no you never know yes so once you see him get a hit you're yeah. calling it lock on to yeah. strength, whatever it is how do you deal with rewards in that case um so for i'm quite lucky with jacks because he loves the search the search is almost as important as the ball to him so for me um and to keep the momentum up i could just yes in a really fun rise good lad look on and then retask because he's like oh yes thanks mum and then yeah. i could retask him on and then maybe every sort of five indications on blood then I'd give him his ball just to make sure it's a bit of a release for them yeah. as well because like I say it can be quite intensive um, like a little coffee break yeah yeah just go and have your ball you can have a chill on that can't you good lad right now we're, now we're focused and how back. rigorously would you time that I mean if if you're out and you're searching what would the maximum length of search be so when it's a focus search like that so we explain want what a nose. focus search is so focus search is like I say we're looking for blood spots mm. um so something quite minute and therefore we want his nose literally on the floor or the wall or whatever it is we're searching and literally sniffing along we want to cover as much of that area as possible so it's a really intense search and you might only work a dog for up to 10 minutes on that before you need to rest them for maybe 15 because um, it's wow to um yeah so they don't get that nasal fatigue they've got to rest up whereas an open area search if we're searching woodland we'd probably work the dogs for a good 40 minutes maybe running around before we give him a 10 15 minute break to just get some water on board rest up and, and are you do doing that by numbers in the sense of you've got a set of rules in your head or are you watching him and thinking oh he's flagging a bit it can be a bit of both yeah to know you, you know your own dog don't you and you mm. can see when you think actually i don't think he's he's panting more now than he is sniffing yeah. and he's not going to pick anything up for his mouth we need his nose to be working um so you have that general rule of thumb of thinking right probably my limit's going to be around 10 minutes but if I get to seven and I think, no, he's not being efficient anymore, you might pull him in earlier. If you get to ten and think, oh, actually, I can see a junction another metre on, we'll work to the junction and have a clear definitive okay. end. So it's, sort of, it's not a hard and fast rule. It's just a generalisation to give you an idea. It's quite an intense relationship, isn't it? Mm. I'm assuming for you as well, you're observing him all the time. Because it can be 
the slightest change of behavior obviously what you've you've just seen it's a, a nice sterile environment and that's the only thing out there so you'll get that really strong positive indication um but if they're just air scenting something so they might not be able to get to source or the item they're mm. looking for it could be a slight head like we call it a head knock so that oh what was that but then the wind might change and i'm off again but you need to think oh what was that? Do I need to get him back in that area mm. and allow him to explore? So you've got to constantly be watching the nose, the body language. And are you also thinking about things like, you've just mentioned wind and change of direction, all of those things can affect the scent picture, yep. can't they? Yep, everything. So especially if we're doing um, open area searches as opposed to focus searches, because if we're looking... So explain what that would be then, so what open, kind of situation. So that would be normally like your missing person that maybe yep. we think has unfortunately come to harm somewhere. Um, so searching big open land so they say we want these field search we want that woodland search so that's when we'd work as a team um work the dogs for longer how big would the team be in a big area where you've got a missing person so we tend to work maybe you've got 38 in the country country. we've got six in our Hampshire and Thames Valley we'd probably put four up there that's normally what you'd work obviously it can vary depending on um what the demand is and what they're willing to pay for it's always money (laughs) and how does the operation work because are you for doing your thing do you have someone coordinating you how how does that work because there's a level at which you're part of the toolbox aren't you yeah very much and i'm guessing that you're only going to be deployed at the point where there's a possibility that your person you're looking for might be dead not living yes so you're a last deployment, aren't you? Or later on, yeah. Obviously, search advisors are, are very clever in working out search areas and they've got manuals to think based on someone's age or maybe physical needs or mental health needs and where they may end up in terms of distance from where they were last seen. So, that so there's a whole lot of work in the background predicting beforehand. where a person may be. Yes, so that's what the search advisors do because that is solely their job within the police. Um, and how it normally works is... Um, they would be called first. They're the first point of call to say, we need to look for something. Mm. Can you advise us on a search area? They would assess that and they sort of segment it up. Um, And then you'd get licensed search officers, which are just officers that have done an additional course. So when you see people fingertip searching, that's your licensed search officers. And we quite often deploy with them. Okay. Because obviously it does go hand in hand because we might go, our dog's indicating here, but we haven't seen anything. We just call. That's an indication, and then you might put a search team in to do a fingertip search. So a fingertip search is, is literally, hands, and, literally knees. hands and knees looking at the ground. Yeah, humans. So it could be yeah, if you're looking for something quite minute, or maybe something that might be concealed underground. Our dogs might get an indication nose on the ground. We're not going to start digging around. No. We might move back, and depending on the job, either search officers will come in or that straight to. So you're. Prime job is very pure to locate identify and mark yeah how do you mark it um so we have like flags okay which we can do it um like i say we also have so our, literally physical little flags like a child on a beach type yeah. flag you're or sticking we in have, the ground um if you're playing football and you're marking out the football pitch and you have the little plastic discs that okay. go down yeah um we have similar things to that and that's for if we're doing a blood search okay um so if we're doing a route and we find something we'll put the disc over it because it then protects it yeah and put it out and then you might see a natural sort of direction of of travel so we have those if we want to protect it some people use flags um and also we have our pointer stick which is what we use to maybe direct the dogs when we're searching if they get that freeze indication we'll drop the stick 
wherever it was so we can move the dog away and then we can say to the person that's where the indication is so there's a couple of different methods depending okay. on the environment okay that's all quite kind of low tech hand to hand isn't yeah. it yeah because like i say yeah we're just giving that it like i say it might be something physical that we can see but ultimately we're just that search tool to yeah. find that will give you a more um specific area to search mm. And then there's other people that come in, whether it's then a forensic recovery um, or it might be if you're looking for a missing person um, that maybe we've got information to say they might have intended to hang themselves. Um, that where a dog might pick up that scent mm. might be nowhere near the actual body. Yes. Um, so we might be getting a really strong indication somewhere. That's where as a handler, I come in and go, right, my dog's definitely got something. What's my environment? Where might that scent be catching? What's the wind doing? Actually, you might want to put your teams yeah. in that direction um so it's all like I say it's all a big, so much information being in fed big, in yes big working part yeah and how does jack's respond to this is it, i mean does he enjoy his job oh he loves it absolutely <laughs> loves it his little you mates. said you felt lucky because he really enjoys the search he does he makes me look very good with <laughs> so i can't take a lot of credit he is just naturally he wants to put his nose down mm. and he will self-task to things so like i say we um we have two separate types of search in the system mm. so we do what's called a phase a which is when we go somewhere and we just let the dog have the head um so we just let him off and say go and do your thing see if he picks up any what we'd call easy wins things mm. that he'd just find off his own back if a dog gets nothing from that we can move on to what's called a phase b search which is when we start directing them more into, right, I want you to check here, I want you to check here. So this is about here. building up the communication between you and Jax so that you can direct Jax yep. really easily in response to, say, your search Yeah, he's got to listen person. to me, and if I say, right, go there, now okay. I want you to search along the skirt. So it's kind of like an in-between, isn't it? You're kind of, on the one hand, tracking type hunting instinct, I suppose, and on the other hand, responding to you whenever he's directed yeah do you feel that shifting a bit when you're on a live search as you say phase a you know perhaps he's in charge and then maybe you this is where i'm really lucky with jacks that i his phase a is massive because he will self-task to things so if i was to ask him to search this room um he'd come in he'd run around but then he would start he would bring his nose up and he'd be searching along the coffee table top he'd go up and he'd search on the windowsill he'd find plugs and he'd go around them all the things that we'd normally be looking at to direct them to and you feel that's him so i think he just loves it. and it's through learning as well because obviously if we um you'll see that they focus a lot on drains yeah because when we put searches out for them we need to know exactly where it is we've put that blood because we might not be able to see it anymore if it's on tarmac so we'll quite often we might put it on the corner of a drain so we know that's where it is or we'll think it's in line with that bottom of that lamppost yeah so they start to queue in when they'll get to a drain he will instantly i'll search around this drain because i found blood here before so it can be a trained thing so do you feel that he's getting better at his job oh definitely yeah and how how does that play out where do you notice that um the it's his confidence so as much as he's always been good at sort of that phase a search i really enjoy experimentation of finding out where my dog's limitations are um and so we'd put um two single human teeth out um at one of our training venues during one of our refresher trainings so our our allotted time um and it was almost you know like crazy paving yeah so there was almost dips between it so they're almost tucked in so at pavement level not obvious to the eye 
So he'd done that in his training, absolutely fine. Two weeks later, we were at that training venue. It had been out, they hadn't been picked up in all the horrendous weather we've been having. Um, and our lead instructor was like, shall we go and see if he'll find them? So this is teeth that have been out in the elements for two weeks. Yeah. And the instructor was like, I don't even know if they're still there. I need to go and check. Um, he said, let's just see what he does. I don't, don't even know if this is possible. Um, so we set Jack's up. I set him up on his phase A needs instantly. Nose just above the pavement, such and such and such. And, and this is how I know that he's on it. Because I was like, it was maybe a stretch of pavement that was about two to three metres wide, about 10 metres long. And he had free reign. This is out at the back of a house. There's a big green area. There's yeah. a pond over there. So he's a Labrador. We'd get in there if he had any half a chance. <laughs> the smellier the water, the better. But he did not leave that search area. Not from me. I've just said, go and have a look. And I've stood one end. And he's only gone about... So you're not, like, just no. earlier, you just gave a hand indication, yeah. like casting, to say go and search. So this, you didn't even do that. You just so, so let I'll, him I'll do his thing. Give him his... I'll give him his command of look, look. And the only thing that I do differently is if I'm asking for a focus section, his attention to be on the floor. Mm -hmm. When I say look, look and touch the floor. If I'm wanting him to go out and use his nose when you're searching for articles, maybe, I'll have my hand above the ground okay. and say look looks so you're going up and so that's a very visual cue isn't it yeah. that's that's not unlike gundog no commands yeah so i gave him that but that's all i did and then i just stood there and like i say he went maybe a meter beyond each end of this area and then was bringing himself in and was probably searching for i'd say at least two minutes which like i say doesn't sound like a long time but when you're talking he's literally yes <laughs> and, you can hear and can him. you hear the sniff right now he is literally yeah like that the whole time and then you hear them go which is like them clearing and i'll start again and he was just hoovering it up and obviously my instructor was there and i said i'm just going to leave him because he's searching beautifully and this is where like you're saying if you're observing them whilst he's still self-tasking hmm. i don't need to intervene if he starts going head up oh oh what's that over there get distracted that's when you can bring them in and ask hmm. but he's searching away as it is um and i'm just watching him you know hoping I'm going, come on Jax, you can do this. Um, and then you see that little, he had one of those little head knocks and he has a little pause and I thought, he's got something. And then he literally went up to this one crazy paving slab and just slowly started sniffing almost in like the cemented area yeah. around it until bam, complete freeze indication on the tooth. Rewarded him for that, set him up again the other way and it's amazing how quickly they click into that he was obviously... I would read that and he knew something was there because he's keeping himself in that search area. But then when he suddenly goes, that's what I'm looking for. And then the instant confidence that he went out search, bang, there's the second one without okay. that hesitation. And yeah. you go, that's amazing. And our instructor was obviously like, that's brilliant, isn't it? Like, I didn't even know it was possible. And that's when you're like, yeah, he's my dog. Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it's all me. It's all my training, honestly. <laughs> so I'm just, the thing that I find intriguing actually is your relationship with Jax mm. and how right from the beginning, obviously you want him to be successful. Yeah. And in lots of detection disciplines, you know, they worry about handler influencing because, you know, one wants, you know, you want to help like your kids you? or your dogs, yeah, you, you know, we all want to. Just them. look in there. Exactly. <laughs> but that's only a problem in a training environment, isn't it? Yeah. If you happen to know, no. and I'm assuming a lot of the time you'll be doing blind searches or even blank searches. Yep, yeah, we do negative search as well to make sure that they're still gonna focus and queue in even when there's nothing there. So we do negative search sometimes. So where you say Jax loves the search, 
is that usual unusual how um, how common is that i think they all enjoy it but for different reasons it's normally because they know that that search brings the ball yeah so it's normally because they're so obsessed with the ball that they're yeah. like i need to do this because i'm getting that whereas for jacks he just loves to search i could bring him in here now and just say look look and he'd search just off his own, own accord even when he's not finding anything he'll just keep doing it and you can see that he enjoys it i wonder it. if it's like having a person who can't really sit still you know, because some yeah. dogs just, there are behavioural differences, aren't there? Yeah. What's he like at home and what's your setup? D does he live with you? Yep, yep, both the dogs live with us. They have kennels in the garden. Um, so <laughs> so I actually really didn't like Jax when I first got him. We've had oh. like a whole, yeah, a whole sort of 180 on our relationship. So I got him and he was really, really difficult at home. It's, How was he difficult? Uh, he would bark, cry, howl in his kennel pretty much 24 hours a day <laughs> no matter what I did so it, that obviously then affects how I feel about him yeah because it's stress when your neighbors are saying your dog's keeping us awake because yeah. he's howling at 2am you can't go out and enjoy your rest days because your dog's just barking and howling at home um so that was really difficult and I was thinking and you, you try to persevere and all dogs when they change environment like get into a kennel situation can be a bit unsettled for a few mm. days but normally it calms down he just didn't he did not like being out in that kennel mostly it came from i think it was a lot of separation anxiety he's quite a needy dog he likes to be with you he likes that praise he likes that contact so him being outside with me indoors was world shattering mm. to him um so like i say so that was really difficult to begin with how did you get over that it literally unfortunately was just a waiting game okay and I, I was at like break so i'd finish a night shift at 5 a.m by eight o'clock in the morning he was barking and howling and i was almost at the point of going back to our training school saying i i can't do this anymore you need to have but you back. didn't so what happened i did didn't he, did he stupidly. just <laughs> um so then then i started the course with him so i had okay. him for yeah like i say about six months before he started the course so three months was awful then it started to get a little bit less by me trying to literally take it. Because where he's still a training police dog at that mm. time, you can be a bit more lenient as to what they do. So I just thought, I'm just going to start. You're just going to be out of me in the day. Because if anything else, it gives my neighbours release. It's less mm. stress on me. If I'm going to the cafe with my friends, you can come. Because yeah. we'll use this actually as a little training exercise. Will you be calm in these environments? Um, I'm going for a nice walk with my friends. You have had a walk today, but fine you can come with me again and hopefully try and wear you out a bit so that you sleep at home um so it got a little bit better but ultimately my thinking is i need to see what he's like at work though because with any working dog i think you have that payoff none of them are perfect it's very rare that you get an amazing working police dog who's then marvelous at home with them mm. um, great in the car and no issues and it's all that what bad things are you willing to put up with in order to get the really good working dog um so i was like and sometimes when you have a very strong working drive that can by definition mean yeah. that they don't necessarily settle yeah because they're just like yeah. i want to be doing something give yeah. me another task what's next yeah they want to keep and then keep you went going. on the course with him and then I went how on did the that course. go um so our course was six weeks long and again he started off not great and i was thinking <laughs> oh my god i've dealt with him being awful at home and now he's not going to make it through the course either um 
but that came around like i say everything for us is about the dog searches they get the reward they just didn't care about this toy so we were thinking how are we going to encourage them to search more when they don't care about what we're giving them and it was a really interesting discussion with our instructor that he was like actually it's us as humans that say you need to love this toy but actually are they searching if he just wants to search again it's only us that's saying no you should play with this toy for a little bit that's what's so great but if they've still got the draft to go out and search maybe we need to shift yeah. just how we work with that dog yeah um and then suddenly it clicked for them um yeah about halfway through the course buying various different toys and bits and pieces until eventually i got it's just a chuck it global it's nothing fancy you buy them on amazon that game changer and he's and that became wherever we are you're throwing your ball you're coming it back to me. everything is about the ball and now if i have my ball in my pocket he'll just do the most perfect heel work because it's everything to him he'll just be like you've got my ball mum you've got my ball <laughs> when i'm like go and run around do you uh <laughs> it's making me think about babies who like a particular toy and then it yeah. you know gets left somewhere yeah, and you get do you have a supply of the yes, globals there's always yes <laughs> yes there is always so you're never gonna run ball. out no because i did it um uh what was i doing the other day i've done something and he had done a search and I don't know if, um, I can't remember if I'd set it up and forgotten to take his toy because I'd had another one in my pocket. Um, and he's literally gone and done this lovely indication. Yay, he threw in another toy and then literally lands on the floor. He just looks at it and looks back at you. I'm like, what's that? Just <laughs> won't even engage in it. It's such a disgusted look on his face. He's that, that fussy. He sounds quite a character. He's, he has got a lot of character and now he's grown up a bit. So he sort of, he went through the course. He was still a little bit whiny at home. And then he hit sort of 18 months and it's almost like he just grew up a bit and went, don't get me wrong, he'll still, um, he's not silent in his kennel, but it's now like, I know I'm going to work soon. I know there might be a walk or oh, it's nearly biscuit time and you'll just sort of hear him outside like, mm, having a little, is he coming yet mum? Which is much easier to deal with than a dog howling at 2am with your neighbours knocking on your door getting angry at you. So um, and Absolutely. And... I mean, in terms of his career and yeah. career progression, Can you've explained that he's he's getting better all the yeah. time as he gets more experienced. Yeah. What, what? How long will he work him for? And so how, what does the future hold for Jax? So he will probably work for at least another six years until he's eight, and then and then it just depends. Each dog varies on their health. If he's still fit and well, he might go on till he's ten. Mm. Um, so yeah, we work them for quite a long time, and like I say, they'll continue to develop. Um, so he'll understand the search and their indication is something where we see a real development in as well so the longer that they will stay with what they found so initially mm. all we're wanting is that oh it's there it's like a split second yeah and then eventually you can get up to it it'll almost be five seconds they'll be like i'm here like a pointer yep and they will just stay this is what it is so that's one of the ways that we build up and then continue to learn I've got another last question then, which is that given that the experience adds so much to the effectiveness of, yeah. a, of a victim recovery dog, do you bring along the younger ones and work them near or in tandem with or in any way in a connected way with the older dogs? Can yeah. they learn off each other? Or? Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, we do it quite a lot. So when um, we're teaching them, you have all the dogs out watching okay. the other dogs do it. Um, so that yeah they can like, what sort of training through. exercises are you doing where they're all watching so it's anything so like i say, when you start on the tins initially you might have the dogs out and then it's right your dog's up you do it right go back and then next dog up and they'll watch it or something where um we do something called probing when we're looking for graves um which is just we, now we haven't talked about we graves haven't. so talk to thing. me about graves <laughs> so um so they can also 
identify grave sites. I know they just they do so much. We ask a lot of them, bless them. Um, so if we think a body has been discarded somewhere, uh, normally in a shallow grave, um, if we have a search area, we're trained a little bit in field craft, so we can go out and assess the land and try and work out where might be a logical place. Are we going to notice certain signs of disturbance that might suggest something's been dug there? Um, and then if we identify areas, we then probe them. So it's like a big metal bar that we bang holes in a sort of uniform pattern. And that allows, obviously, if there is any, any scent to escape and the dogs are tasked and they will pop their nose in each hole, sniffing it. And again, would have a freeze indication if they're saying there's something under there. So that's when you have a strong idea that there might be a shallow grave somewhere. Yeah. You, you've told me about his, his find on the common at yeah. uh, one year. Any other highlights of his working career to date? I think that's his biggest one, just through the sheer number. For his first job to have so many indications and on so many different surfaces, when I was like, he did tarmac, gravel, grass, a metal bollard. But I was just like, this is, it's like we've just covered everything from training. It was like a training exercise. Um, and that he worked on his own. I was, you know, you have that mega proud mum moment. Um, <laughs> so that's probably his, his biggest one. Um, and then the other memorable one, I think was the only time he indicated when I could see nothing, nothing at all. Um, I was doing a search, uh, which there was two dogs we were searching. Um, the area had been searched by scenes of crime already and they've said we've gone through with all our jazzy things, we can't find anything. And both of our dogs gave a really strong indication in exactly the same spot. And there was nothing visible whatsoever. So obviously, was that because that it way. had been cleaned to remove any sign visible cleaned, to the eye? Whether it had been, it can be, um, they're trained as well on, it's like like a transfer of scent. Okay. So if you had dried blood on your clothes and you sat in a car yeah. and that dried blood was in contact with like the fabric of a seat, when you got out, there might not be any physical blood seeped in. But, but the there might be could, an echo. The scent could still be there and they will indicate on that. Um, so I'm presuming it was something like that and the fact that both dogs yeah. did it gave it and that's a really nice moment that it's that real trust with your dog which is what I like about the discipline that any other search you know what it is your dog's looking at it whether you can see it at the time or whether someone then goes in and searches and says oh there's the drugs there's the phone we might not have that we've just got to go yep it's there and sometimes people look at you like really when they can just see a blank wall or whatever it might be but You've got to really trust your dog. Yes. And I find it interesting. Has he ever been wrong? I guess not that we've ever known of. Okay. We've had things where we've been in a search area um, and he's found... They can discount stuff. So I think we were doing... Um, I think we were looking for a discarded weapon. But he found a blood trail on the path in the search area. Mm. So he's doing his job. But they said, oh, actually, from what it is, we think that might be the victim's blood. So you mm. can discount, so that's not relevant to our investigation because mm. we know he's gone that way, but the dog's done his job, he doesn't yeah. know. It's yeah, not yeah. like I'm saying, can you find this person's blood or that. Um, so sometimes stuff can be discounted. Mm. Um, but but basically he's a bit of a star. He is a little superstar for his, for his age. That's what's exciting to me and what I always say because he started so young and you think he's kind of smashing it so far already, only 12 months in, and yeah. he's potentially got another six, seven years, you think. How far can we push this? How good is he going to get? That's a really exciting prospect, I think. 
Well, I thought that was a corker. Hope you enjoyed it as well. It's just something that you wouldn't hear about. You know, those sorts of dogs, victim recovery dogs, they're only in the police service. You know, you don't find them in any other context outside the police. So it was a really interesting insight. And I was completely thrilled that uh, Flick was happy to talk and to get that window into such a specialised role. I have lots more lovely interviews coming up. I'm very excited about it. And thank you to those listeners who've been reaching out and recommending their, <laughs> recommending their friends or boyfriends or whatever who are dog handlers. I really appreciate it. And I always love to hear about dogs doing interesting jobs. So please keep the introductions coming. I'll let you know how to get in touch, email addresses, etc. in the show notes on the podcast and on the website if you're listening on the live stream. Uh, Thank you for joining me. I will be back in a couple of weeks. Dogs with Jobs, presented by Kate Fairweather and produced with John Wellsman. The Petersfield Seed Swap is your chance to plant some ideas for your garden. Or on your allotment, Claire. Of course, Steve. We'll be there to help you pick up some inspiration and advice. And enjoy some specialist talks from experts. Helio Bowling will be in town to help you start a cut flower garden. And I'll show you how to plant an amazing veg plot. Plant some ideas with us at the Petersfield Seed Swap. It's on Saturday the 9th of March at Winton House in Petersfield Town Centre. And it's funded by the UK Government through the UK. UK Shared Prosperity Fund. And you'll find more details at shineradio.uk. Happy gardening.